your short track racing connection. Broadcasting from the Claremont Motorsports Park Studios, this is the Turn 4 Podcast. Look for us every Tuesday where all major podcasts are found. Like us on Facebook at Turn 4 Podcast. And now, DJ and Zach, take it away. Green, green, green. All right, everybody. So it's just Zach this week. Uh, flying solo, but we got a pretty good episode, I think. Well, I had a plan a couple months ago. Uh, to try to do kind of a tribute episode to Kirby Monteith, the mountain man, who I know a little bit about, but not much. So I'm excited to learn some stuff. Uh, So we have four crew members and a car owner um, of Kirby. Uh, And my hope is uh, we're just going to come here, shoot the shit a little bit, and uh, have some funny stories, which I'm excited about. So let's start here. Who are you, sir? I am Ronnie Menard. Ron, Ronnie, I did. Yep. I'm Dave Bragg. Dave Bragg. I'm Chuck Vivian. Chuck Vivian. I'm Cliff Wassley. And Cliffy. Cliffy's here. All right. So let's just start this. Who was Kirby Monteith? Deep question. Where did he come from? Where, where is he from? Let's start there. That would be Chuck, yeah. Uh, me and Kerb, we grew, we grew up together, centuries little guys and stuff, and back in the early 70s, we got the bright idea that uh, we wanted to try to build a race car. At the time, it was dirt. So Kirby won the race car, so he won the big sedan because everything that he had had to be different than what anybody else had. So yep. we built a sedan in Windsor, and... His first year on the dirt, he was pretty pretty impressive driver and stuff. He's a little rough, but he, <laughs> he was he's always been that way. And what year are we talking? I'm talking. I'm, I'm not going to nail it right down, but it was the early seventies. I'd say seventy one, seventy two. I okay. I believe okay. And things what he was doing real good on the dirt, and then. Hodgson Brothers wanted to buy his car, so we sold it to Hodgson Brothers, and then things started blossoming to these guys that are sitting here, so I've said my little part. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, when, Cliffy, when do you meet uh, Kirby? 1985. 1985? Okay. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 1986. 1986. Yeah. We, uh, Gary Schumann um, bought our first car from, uh, from Ernie Boudreaux in 1985. Okay. And we ran the, pretty much the entire season 85 with, uh, with Dave Bivens driving the car. And then uh, in 86, Dave went to drive for the Bush North. Okay. And so he didn't have time to drive the mod, so Gary Schumann was the one that came up with the idea to call Curb and see if Curb... Curb had just stopped driving. I don't know how many years he'd been not driving full-time. He, he drove for Fran Leamy before yeah. us, but I think yeah. he was... They stopped driving, you know, a couple years before. It was like two but, years, I think. Yeah. It wasn't a long time. Okay. So... What about you? When when do you meet Kirby? 
Um, well, I was a fan of his when I was a kid anyway. But oh, okay. I, I got hooked up with these guys in about 87, 88. Okay. He was a body man, so I did some paint work for him. Okay. And I kind of got in with him that way. Nice. And what about you, Ronnie? Well, I met him, I was a little kid. <clears throat> of course, he used to drive the log trucks, and my dad worked on the truck. So I'm guessing... I can remember him back in the early 80s. Okay. Real early 80s. Okay. But like I say, I was just little, and these guys crowd me up, see if I could help, and yeah. he needed the help. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when is Kirby's, I think, I think you may have touched on this before, when's Kirby's first year? I know we said 72 is his first year on dirt. In the, in the 70s, because... Him and Dwight Jarvis, I think he started one year before Dwight, and I think Dwight, that's where Dwight came up with his number 73, right, when he first I think so. started. At, it was the early early 70s that we built up at first, and it was modified, uh, not modified first, dirt rig. Okay. Because we run Claremont, and then he done so good, and went to the race of Kings down Lebanon Valley and stuff, and that, that, that guy would go... <laughs> Nice. So just, then they started asphalt and everything, and then Hodgson Brothers still owned the car. They had th three race cars and stuff, and yep, just a lot of good stories, a lot of good accidents, a lot of good BS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which I'm excited to hear about, by the way. <laughs> um, okay, so he just he just makes the switch from. Uh, dirt to asphalt, just whenever the track goes from dirt to asphalt. Okay. It's when they they just done away with the dirt and just started asphalt, and and then Keen opened up, and then they raced in Fairhaven. Used to have double combinations too. Right? Yeah. Yep. And but he he raced, they raced a lot of the big races. I mean, when he drove like Hodgson Brothers, he drove for Cliff and stuff, Lebanon Valley, and I mean uh, Stafford Thompson. We go down on three day shows and. Jesus. Kirby put on a pretty good show in those three, yeah. <laughs> those three days. Yeah. <laughs> Come back, there's a pile of scrap metal. <laughs> <laughs> That's what kept Ronnie Menard's business going. Yeah. He, he, sold, he sold the medals. Yeah. <laughs> and I gave it to him. <laughs> <laughs> and probably what a lot of people don't understand, mm -hmm. it weren't always Kirby's fault. We, yeah. had, <laughs> we had this fellow that was like the ringleader. Okay. Cliffy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. And I don't know how many times we'd hear on the radio, if you can't win it, wreck it trying. And he did, <laughs> and he did right? Am I right? <laughs> I don't think it came out exactly right. <laughs> Pretty close. I, I had a couple of those conversations with him, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the days of Thunder, I said to him, I came out for his driving for Cliff. I said, they must have watched you raise, and that's where they come up with the idea with this movie. Days of yeah. Because <laughs> that's just the way it was when he had his little bad streak there. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so Cliff, you were car owner, correct? I was at, um, Gary, Gary owned the cars for the first few years. When we had that old, we had an old Hop Carrington car that we bought from Ernie. Yep. And he, he owned that car. Yep. And then in 89... I bought a car from Brian Ross, our first Brian Ross car. Okay. And I owned that car, and then I bought a, mo a couple motors, and we just, that's how kind of the transition never really was official. Just Schumann kind of started getting out of it a little bit. 
we always kept his name on the car, and uh, we just started getting busier and busier. You know, we went from just racing here to racing here in Monadnock every week. Okay. And uh, we really didn't do that until we started having the new car, because I don't think we took the old car down there that much. We did the first year I was helping you. We yes. were running that old car, yeah. Monadnock. We had the that. issue with it turning at the flag stand there. And, yeah. Um, Mr. Albrow there told us that we probably should check the rear end. It was probably bad. <laughs> it was. So what? Okay. So early 70s, we're racing dirt. I'm assuming track goes asphalt in the 80s. What, Claremont? Yeah, Claremont. Claremont must have been 73, 74. Yeah, okay, so it was early 70s. They only drove on that like two, three years. And then they got the bright idea to go to dirt and that, that changed a lot of uh, yeah. thinking. I think it was 73 because yeah. I think that's the year Kirby got rookie of the year or something. Yeah, because yeah, no, Kirby got rookie of the year. The, the first year. I think it was dirt. 72. I think he raced one year before Dwight come in and Dwight come in in 73, I believe. If I remember right, it was just... So he wins rookie of the year in 74. Kirby. I think it, I think it was two because seventy two. I think Dwight come in the following the following year. I don't. Okay. I don't think they right. both raced together the, the first year. I don't. I, on the dirt, I I, I can't remember. Okay. It goes back that's fifty years. <laughs> and he wins rookie of the year in what division? That was in the dirt on the on the bees because back then they had so many cars. Right. But his car. His B car would, would would keep up with most of the A's, but of course back then it was Sonny Rabidou and and those guys and those guys had it pretty well figured out. Yeah, <laughs> talking wheelman right there. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we race, we go. Where Claremont goes to asphalt. When when does the the f- original crew, the original asphalt crew, who is in that crew? Like when when we go asphalt racing here at Claremont, who's in that crew? When he in the seventies? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that would be. Uh, Hot, that's when Hodgson brothers took over the car, and right? That would have been Bobby Harris and. Uh, Al Dubois' son. What's the name? Uh, Scott. Scott, and what's the other one? Todd. Scott and Todd Dubois. Okay. They was on it. And, uh, my brother, my brother Ricky. Uh, let's see. I had a lot of right. a lot of them in and out. Okay. They stayed with Hodgson, Hodgson brothers for a while. When he sat, when he switched over to you. No, he, 85. 85. 86. So we go for uh, Lemmy and. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <coughs> that's right. Lemmy and drove for Fred Felton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. Leamy. Fred Felton must have been in the mid '70s sometime. Yeah, Fred was before Leamy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, out of uh, out of Mass, where am I? No, not Mass. Uh, Eleven Mass. Yeah. Yeah, what's Fred? the name of the, uh, Sunderland or something like that? Sunderland. Yeah, sound right. But Fred Felton had a real nice car that Kirby drove. Him. It was a pretty quick car, and I think he drove for Fred for two or three years, and then he ran into. The Leamy crew, <laughs> yeah. and they was a good bunch of guys. And had an average car, nothing, 
Well, they did. They did well because that was when mods were still running the big blocks, so they yeah. could keep up. Yeah, at first. And that's when they were switching over to the small blocks. Yep. Yeah. At first, and they were they were some partiers, and we had some. They used to do some traveling. They used you know, to go to Martinsville and stuff. Oh yeah, they were all over the place. Jesus. Fred's car was pretty. Fred's car was fantastic. It was eleven mass. It was yeah. yeah Marty Radwood drove it. Um, I think Dwight drove it a few times. Okay. Uh, it was it was quite a piece. That was quite a yeah. car. And then when Fred moved moved up from that and started traveling to the series, um, Stefanik drove that car quite a bunch. Mike Stefanik on, lo- on the local. Wow. Because yeah. Stefanik used to drive that car yeah. at Monadnock quite a bunch. Hall of Famer Mike Stefanik. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, so through the seventies, he drives for a couple different people, and then in eighty-five, you said Cliff, you he starts to drive for you. No, eighty-six. Eighty-six. Yeah, 86 okay. He started driving for us, and he drove for us until two thousand five. So in eighty-six, you had mentioned before before we started recording that you had a driver who had gone up like before Kirby, he had gone up to race Bush North, correct? Bibbins. Bibbins. Okay, so Dave goes up, races Bush North. How does Kirby, who says, hey, let's get Kirby in the Gary seat? Schumann. Gary Schumann. Yeah, Gary Schumann was the owner of the car okay. at the time. And <clears throat> Gary, I, I really don't know. I mean, I, we were working on, we, we were working on the, the car, and Gary out of the blue says, I got to, you know, we're trying to talk about who we're going to have for driver. Right out of the blue, Gary says, I'm going to call Curb. And I, Hadn't even I knew Kerr, knew about Kerr, but I didn't know what he was doing, you know. And a few days later, he shows up at the garage, and uh, that was the end of it. He was the he was the shoe from there on out. <laughs> so that's I mean you're talking it's twenty years. Twenty years. Yep. So how do we do the how does he do the first year you're the car owner? He he was the one teaching us. <laughs> really. For for quite a while because we were we were all new at this game you know we bought an old car and we'd worked on street stocks and all this other stuff but we i'd never i'd never wrenched on a mod before you know okay so he he led us through it pretty good shape um and and we had it we had a decent car we because that the first year that dave drove it when we bought the car from ernie it was complete that first year Curb drove it, we had to go get a motor, and we bought a motor from Precision Automotive down in Connecticut. And so we had we had decent power in the car, and we just had to try to sort it out. And yep. uh, had a bunch of help. Um, Curb, Curb knew enough about it to, to lead me along enough. And then and uh, Alan Whipple Sr. was around a lot. Mm-hmm. And those hop cars were what those guys ran for a long time. So I got a lot of help from a lot of those older guys that really knew. I mean, we, we would put Alan in the car a lot of times when I was having issues with it. I put Alan in the car in, in, a, in a practice or, a, or something so he could go down and see what I was doing, come back up, and he would, we'd have a download, and I'd work on it, and here we go. And uh, we didn't have the greatest of success with the thing. I mean, we ran okay with it, but we weren't anything won, great. Won one race with it, not. Yeah. How many cars are we talking at that time? How many cars in the division? Oh, oh, full field. Full, full field, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 We were, you, were, you had to qualify in heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was like that for the first, 
Oh, I've got at least the first 10 years. Oh, yeah. Here. It, 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 you used to have some race cars. I mean, you had to be paying attention yeah. to qualify. If you didn't, you was, you was heading out. You are going home. When we, when we uh, and especially when you start going to Monadnock. Yep. Not, nothing against this place. This, yep. this is home turf for us. But <clears throat> but going to Monadnock, all those guys dragged up. You know, Jerry Marquis, Reggie Ruggiero, Stan Greger, and... And 11 Mass was there. Fred's car was Evans. there. And you, never, you never knew who was going to be in that thing, right? <clears throat> there were some real hot rods there. Yeah. And so you drew the wrong heat, man. You better have your shit together because you're going home. Yeah. You know? And plus you had all the good cars from here. You know, Dwight, and Rusty, Jack Bateman. All those guys were going to an ad knock on Friday night. So it was nothing for you guys to go race two tracks in a weekend. Every weekend. Was it? It was expected. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. You wrecked it Friday night. You just stayed up all night. He's <laughs> <laughs> heading for the next track tomorrow. Get, just get the race tomorrow. By the sounds of it, you you probably had a lot of a uh, lot of uh, long Friday nights. Very, At the very yeah, beginning, the toughest part about when Adnock Speedway What's that? is they paid us in cash. <laughs> really? They paid us in the beer garden. Yep. Oh, boy. And for guys like us that don't have the greatest self control, it's <laughs> yeah. not good. You yeah. can come out of there with less than half of what you went in. What a great business plan from an Adnock Speedway, though. <laughs> <laughs> we liked the business plans when we went down to Thompson Stafford down there for them three days show. Cliff always had these little places he used to take us. Easy to. Chuck. <laughs> 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 uh, I didn't say nothing. <laughs> my brother-in-law you're talking about. <laughs> okay. We so. had a ton of fun. Yeah, Manadnock was a great place. Um, we, I think I learned the most about a race car. If you can get a race, especially one of these hot rods, if you can get one of these rigs to go around an ad knock, man, you you want you've done something because it's a tough place. Yeah, to get a car going around and and curb curb's the right kind of guy for that. Place. Yeah, no fear. It's, uh, no. it's stab and go and just have at it, you know. And, it, and that's him, you know. He yeah. you, the common sense factor. Sometimes you you had to scratch your head and say, "What was he yeah. thinking there?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, wrecked, we wrecked a lot of stuff, but you know, you always knew. Where his heart was, and, oh, yeah. and, and uh, he was headed to the front, man. And there was some guys worry about all their drivers doing and getting up on the wheel and doing the best, and I never, I never ever questioned that. Yeah. <laughs> never, not for a the second. The thing is third or fourth if he thought he could get second or first. Right. There was no hanging back. Yeah. So it's it's so this is a good segue. So I had reached out to Mike Henschel before so he's been feeding me stories for probably the last two hours um he told me to bring up this one story uh you were down in monadnock and kirby was bitching that the car was a little loose so you got underneath the car banged on some sheet metal and you told him he should be able to run turns one and two without lifting and kirby did it in the heat race and for the uh and then unofficially broke the track record Four modifieds. Is this a true story? Yeah. So you did not touch anything on the modified. <laughs> he he, at times, curb curbs mind right. So he, he Chuck will vouch for this. When he was in, a, he spent all week in a log truck. Yep. By himself, right? He would think up the squirreliest shit to do, or or what we thought we might we need to do to the race car during the week. And he was pretty bald-headed. Yep. So 
when when he thought he had a, an adjustment that he really thought he had to have, I had to convince him otherwise or prove. No, okay, yeah, that you got it, Curb. Here it is. Have at it. <laughs> <laughs> so so you don't touch anything on that mod. You bang a hammer on some sheet metal and you say okay. Certain occasions, just yeah, when, just when you know you've had enough. Right, <laughs> right, right. But the occasion you're talking about, yes. That's yeah. Good. And he goes and says, "Tracker." Every time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we reached 86 was his first year. He, we have one win in 86. I. I don't know if it was 86 or 87 we had the one. With the old car. With the old car. I think it was the last year when we ran that car. So in 89, we get the new car. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the new car, the switch from the old car to the new car? It was awesome. So we, uh, because we we wanted to do our own thing, and at the time, Troyer was, every everybody was driving the Troyer. Yep. And we wanted to do something different, and that was the stuff I loved about Curb. He was on board. Yep. Even though, you know, Dwight winning everything there is to win, right? Right. So we said, well, we're either going to buy a, a Bodine car or we're going we're gonna to do something else. And, he, and I read about Brian Ross building his own chassis and how good they were going and everything. And I said, well, let's, let's do a Brian Ross car. So I, I called Brian, and he was driving for Ed Close, the 69, okay. in the Mod Tour at the time. And he says, we've got a car for sale. It's a car that, our backup car from last year. And he says, Ed's got it in Potsdam, New York. And uh, so. Uh-oh, Chuck's chuckling yeah. over here. Uh, you said <laughs> so, that, I said that snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> it was so foggy when we left. So Curb had this big fucking GMC oh, pickup, yeah. right? Yep. 3,500 GMC, right? Yes, sir. And we had our little open trailer behind it. Poor Chucky and I, we leave here like 5 o'clock yeah. in the morning, right? 4.35 o'clock in the morning. Go to Potsdam's Post, Clarkson. It's all the way on the other side of New York. Yes, sir. What a ride that was. I lost about so, 20 pounds. <laughs> just just, just. <laughs> That's Hold on. Because we left here, and I don't think we sat on the, the low side of 80 miles no, an hour. No, you the couldn't fog even, was so bad. You couldn't see the end of the hood, and he's... Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so we go all the way out to Potsdam. Yeah. Go out to the shop, we, we make the deal on the car, and we bring back the car and a bunch of parts, yeah. and uh, that was the start of us having having a, a Ross chassis, and we always had a great conversation with Brian. Uh, anytime I had issues, and Brian had run all these places because they were on the tour, yep. so they'd run Manadnock in all these places, and right off the bat, we... We only had a car a few weeks and won with it. Really? And it was it was awesome. It, yeah. it, was, it was such a transition from what we had. And uh, the car had some, the chassis had some learning curves for us as we as we went along. Especially when we went to Manadnock, the car the car had a real low center of gravity and it was low had a low chassis height, and we had to get it all tuned up so it would would drag around around Monadnock and so that was a little bit of a learning curve but once we got it tuned up there it was pretty tough to be yeah and uh that's the chassis design that we ran the whole 20 years we we bought that car and ran that car probably three four years and then Brian Brian had 
his original 73 car in his shop in, in uh, Boston Spa. So we, one year he called and says, hey, he says, you want to buy another chassis and buy the jig for your car so you can build your own? And I said, absolutely. So Curb and I drove over there and picked up that chassis and a whole, that was a roller plus the jig and a bunch of other stuff mm -hmm. for Brian. And uh, we never ran that car because Brian Ross is a little small guy. And that, the way he had the cage built in that car, Curb could never get in it. Couldn't even get a seat in it. So, <laughs> so, so how big are we talking? Like, how big is Kirby Monty? How big was he? So, Curb's a 6'1", 6'2", guy six that weighs two, 260. Yeah. Jesus. At, at that time. Yeah. At the beginning of him yeah. racing, he, he was a house. He was big. Then he had a freaking head of hair like this. Right? <laughs> really? No. Yeah. <laughs> he had a bush. Yeah. <laughs> He, he Afro a, style. I mean, it was sits right out there. He was going out with a hairdresser, and she thought he looked cool that way. So. <laughs> <laughs> he was cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he was not a fat guy. No, this he this, not, this guy big. is a house. Yeah. yeah. He's big. big shoulders like yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could barely get him in the car. Yeah. He was like E.F. Hutton when he spoke. Yeah. He listened. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like a booming voice type of thing, oh, yeah. like a big presence. Just a big. Just a, Just a big presence. He, yeah. he was the mountain man, yeah. and that says it all. Yeah. That says it all. However, when I was at your shop or a couple months ago or whatever it was, you had some good stories about Kirby. Even though he was a big guy, you told me he had a, his heart was even bigger. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you tell the $2 bill story? Well, so he'd come over to the house. I'd have to do something to his truck. And he used that bribe. Yeah. He'd go over to my house, grab my little girl. She was only three, four, five years old at the time. And he would take her down for ice cream. They'd only get two. They didn't get one for me. <laughs> <clears throat> so when they got back, my daughter Jessie would say to me, Dad, if you're not busy, Kirby needs this done to his log truck. Can you do that today? <laughs> Knowing that I weren't going to say no to her. Yeah. <laughs> so Kirby gives her a $2 bill. And he said, every time I come over, if you show me this $2 bill, I'll take you for ice cream. So she framed it, hung it on the wall. Smart girl. To this day, she's 27 now. She still has that framed. Still has that $2 bill. Yes. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's got to be, you know, par for the course with Kirby, right? There's got to be a million of those stories like oh, that, yeah. Yeah? yeah? Anybody got any other ones? Um, Kenny. Yep. Kenny Chafee. Kenny yeah. Chafee. He, he was a handicap. Kid, he guy had a heart of gold, but he, the kid, he just didn't have nothing going. He had club hands. Yeah, he was really deformed and stuff. Kirby'd always take him in his log truck, and of course, the kid would get all excited. And he praised Kirby up and down. Kirby would bend over backwards, do anything. When he see Kenny, he we pick him up, take him, go have lunch. And Kirby go logging where. He felt safe with Kenny being with him and stuff. He, he'd take him logging and stuff. And back, Kenny's still alive today. As, Is far, he really? as far as I know, he was back a couple of years ago. He used yeah. to bring the racetrack. Yeah. yeah, he'd pick yeah. him up every yeah. Saturday night. Yeah. Brought him to the racetrack. Yeah. Really? 
He had a hard to go. Kenny was in rough shape. No, he was. He, 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 his hands were all his, messed up, and he had a hard time getting his, along. And Curb, yeah, you, Curb took him everywhere. You you made him sure out. we treated him like another. Yeah, same oh, yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Curb was pretty rough on him. Yeah. 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 Curb had a hard go, and he had another little kid that used to work on a race car down to his shop, John Mass. One of the motorcycle. We had dirt piles. A kid work on his truck and. Me and Kirby was out looking over his land doing something. He told John, he says, go up and take those tires out back of my log truck. We're standing there talking, or well, maybe 75 yards away from the truck. And we're talking, and Kirby says, what the hell's wrong with John over there? He's just flopping around. So we walk over, and John Mass says, uh, Kirby says, John, what the hell are you doing? He says, my hand's stuck underneath the truck. He jacked it up in the sand, and the tire settled down on his hand, and John cut Kirby said, you think I said jack it up so you can get your hand? <laughs> John's got a flat flopping around. I never forget, you know, he, he wasn't really hurt. Yeah. Just enough so he couldn't get his hand up underneath that tire. Oh, my God. Kirby done a lot of that stuff yeah. down around the garage. Certain people, he just took them in and helped them out as much as he could. But Kirby would, he appreciated everything everybody did for him. Yeah. I mean, how many times every weekend when we worked on that race car, Kerb would go down to the little store down in Scutney, buy lunch, come back, grill it all up. Yep. You know, every single week. And if you tried to help and buy something, oh my God, oh, yeah. he'd have yeah. a fit. Really? But yeah. he was he was really so good to everybody. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah, we we transitioned shops too. Because when we first when we first started racing, we we worked on the cars at the farm, yeah, Schumann Farms, right. And then when Gary got sick of us being in the yard and being in the way, we. We moved our our cars over to Curbs, and Curb had he had a big log truck shop, and then he had a little small shop, and uh, next to it, and that's where we worked on the race cars for. God, we must have worked on them there for five or six years, anyways, yeah. probably more. Yeah. So he'd come over all the time, especially on Saturdays, because he maintained his log truck. Chucky would maintain the log trucks yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. So he was always in there razzing. That's the same time he had his little apartment on the side of the garage, too, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Stayed right there in his garage because he worked his butt off all the freaking time. He'd get in, work a 16, 18-hour day. He had a little shop, little bedroom built right off the side of his garage. He'd take his nap because he was loaded with a load of hardwood. He wanted to get back out in a couple hours before the DOT was set up. (laughs) So he got nailed. Yeah. Done a lot of that type of stuff. Yeah. Worked his butt off. Yeah, he did. Jesus Christ, he worked a lot of hours. Well, you were, again, when I was over at your shop, you were telling me that um, he uh, he loved to play practical jokes, too, from what I hear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ronnie tells a really good one, and I really, can, can we hear the uh, bicycle trailer story? Because <laughs> I, I probably laughed. On my way home, I probably laughed for a good 10 minutes just thinking about that story. I guess I'll have to figure out how to clean that one up a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit but I mean, let it rip, whatever you want to so, do. So, Curb goes on a little venture with my daughter to get ice cream. Right. Somewhere or another, he meets this fellow on a bicycle. It's all dressed up in spandex and blah, blah, blah. Looked like he crawled out of a culvert somewhere. He, didn't, he hadn't seen water in quite some time. <laughs> Curb gets chit-chatting with him, and the next day, one thing leads to another, and I'm in the garage working, and this guy drags this little trailer down 
the driveway to my shop. And he said, hey, I'm here for my appointment. You've got to put a trailer hitch on my bike. And I said, I don't do trailer hitches on bikes. I work on trucks. Well, the guy told me yesterday, you could put my trailer hitch on today. And this guy, he was a little bit tweaked, but he was going to Rutland to pick up some solar panels on the bicycle. Jesus. So I argued with the guy, telling him I don't do trailer hitches. <clears throat> and finally I told him, get your bike in your little trailer and just shuffle along because I don't have time. <laughs> so that was about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. About 2 o'clock, my friend Curb calls me. Yeah. Hey, bud. <laughs> Just wanted to remind you, did you do your one o'clock appointment? I said, what are you talking about? He said, you had a trailer hitch to do. <laughs> I could have killed the guy. <laughs> could have killed him. Oh, my That's God. where that came from. That's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. That, that must have been, I mean, you must have gotten him back, right? Um, a few times, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was hard to get him back. Was it? Yeah. He was just really smart. Well, if you if you really messed with him and he get you in the headlock, you wish you never even. Oh him. yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Okay, so we're in like the early '90s. We got the new car, right? Around the early '90s, we okay. Um, we're still running both Claremont and Monadnock. Yep. Now, the way it's told to me is this place, Claremont Speedway at the time, Claremont Motorsports Park now. Um, was the Wild West in the pits where on any given night you could see somebody from Kirby's crew or Kirby himself get into a scuffle or two. <laughs> I wish <laughs> I wish we were recording because everybody's face was like, "Yep, yep, that was definitely us." Are there any good, any good fight stories? I love a good fight story. We didn't have too many fights. We had one with the Patnod crew one time. But. Ooh, with Todd. Worst one. I think the worst one I had the, the the one that pissed me off the worst was with Jack Bateman. Ooh, okay. He, that was just you and Jack. You were taking the pipe to his car there. Yeah, I took... Side rail. <laughs> I took the side rail that he had completely ripped off the side of my car and went over and started dismantling his car with the side rail. You just started beating yeah, beating the shit out of his car. Trying to convince him to get out of the car, and he weren't having any of it. Well, yeah. what was the... You and I talked about that a while ago, too. Who was the guy... We talked about that from Massachusetts that curb. Chase through the Put his, hot dog stand. Well, he chased him through the hot dog stand after he punched a hole through his window net. <laughs> that was uh, Levesque. That was on the track. <clears throat> Wait, say that again? What happened? Well, they got in a little scuffle, and they both spun out down in turn three, and Kerb went over to talk to him, and the guy didn't want to put his window net down, so Kerb just took a swing at him with the window net up and <laughs> tore a hole through that. And just punched through his it window net? probably a... 1880s window net. Yeah. 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 Jesus. When he ended up getting out of the, when he got back up in the pit area. He chased that guy halfway around the friggin' pit area. Pit area before he got a hold of him. Cause <laughs> Kurt couldn't run too too fast. He was about as bow legged as anything. <laughs> <laughs> that guy get moving along, his legs bowed up. <laughs> you know, he used to pick on him like that. He get all wound up. <laughs> so there weren't too many phases. There was more scuffles. You're saying. Just nothing more serious. Nothing serious. crazy. Um, 
I didn't really run into this idea. You come down on me. There's a lot of those conversations. Yeah. Different stories on how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> but Put it this way. Yeah. If we ran our mouth, we could usually back it up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that those those are the rumors that I that I was told. I've heard not so much uh, detailed stories, but I heard that you guys were the you guys were the guys. At that time, you you were the guys nobody wanted to. I think it was Ronnie Menard. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the guy you got in easy, this picture. Easy, here. Uh, us guys here never liked that. There was, that is, there was yeah, very few crews that headed over to talk to us. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, too right. bad Marv's not here. He's a big guy. Yeah, so. yeah. We got a few guys on the yeah, crew that aren't here. That yeah. Whose cab was he driving when he went up over Dwight's tie? My back down on the track and running up over his car. That was Harris. Yeah. <laughs> That's one I'll never forget. And even Dwight, talking to Dwight, you know, Ben asked Dwight one time, he said, you know, out of everybody you raced with, who did you fear as far as being fast? And he, and he said it was Kirby every time. Every time. Because he said, Kirby would get up on me and wreck me, <laughs> laugh about it and say, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? That was it. That, that, that was Kirby's attitude. I mean, he had no fear if if he decided that Dwight wasn't going to finish the race. That's what that's just the way it was going to be. I mean, it was just part of the racing because Dwight, if he felt Kirby felt that Dwight screwed him, he was going to get him back one way or another. And, yeah. But that was just their relationship because they worked they worked the Hodgson brothers and you know. Right. It, it wouldn't roll over to next week. Yeah. It wouldn't. No. <laughs> So we're gonna settle it right here, and then, yeah. and then, and then that's <laughs> yeah. that's where it's gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't think Kirby ever held a grudge on anybody. No, no, it was no. over as soon as it was over. Really? You don't get that too much now. No. You got you got guys you got guys here still well, taking out other people from what happened three years ago. He'd get out of the car and take care of it. Yeah, yeah. get out of the car and go have a chat right yeah. off. You know, yeah. there's no and it was a manly deal. You know, yeah. he's gonna come see you face to face. He's not gonna let somebody else talk to you about it. He's gonna come see you. Yeah. Best Which, one was Riverside Park with Rick Fuller there. What was that? Oh, uh, they got us. We were running Riverside Park that year because. We had something to do with Sonny up here. So. Yeah. yeah, Sonny threw us out of here for a whole season. You got thrown out of here? From mufflers. Oh, really? And yeah, it was kind of a goofy thing. But we, I, of course, I was a little hot under the hat at that time, too. So I said, okay, then we'll run, we'll run the park on Saturday nights. Yeah. And that's what we did. And it was probably the best thing we ever did because we, we learned a lot about how to make race cars go because... Making the step to Monadnock is one step from here. Making the step to Riverside Park is the whole other game. Yeah. Kirby had the fanciest mufflers set up. He <laughs> come out the car and you had him running up the back of the car. Just like a big log truck. See you? That was a good conversation piece there for a while. So how many times have you been thrown out of this place? Is it multiple? No, just that time. Oh, just that one time? Because I was talking to Peter Jarvis. We had Peter Jarvis up here uh, probably a year ago. And you can't compete with Peter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're hard-pressed to find somebody who's been kicked out of here more times yeah, than Peter Jarvis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. We can't scratch the surface on that. Yeah. 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 That's a tough one. So uh, early 90s, good success. We're running. I mean, it sounds like Dwight was the main competition, but 
at that time, Dwight was the main competition for everybody in the modified division, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this. Jan done all right for himself. Howard, Howard had done well. Mm-hmm. Done well. And How, Howard was, when we first started racing, Howard was driving the 11. Yeah. Or uh, the guy out of White River. Pelletier. 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 And Howard was going pretty good in that thing, but he wasn't. It wasn't quite as much as the powerhouse when he drove the 121 earlier. Yep. Um, And then Howard transitioned to a pro stock when we were. Well, it must have been in the 90s. It must have been in the early 90s. Right. Howard transitioned into running a pro stock back then because because he he ran Pelletier's car for probably three or four years. I'm thinking. Yeah, mm. and Jack, you know, every everybody had some good stuff. That, oh, yeah. Jack, you know, Jack's stuff was good back then. Yeah. Um, Dwight was the powerhouse, you know, yeah. beat. And uh, there was a few other guys that traveled in here that were good. Um, Pinkham was here for a few years. He was really good. Yeah. Donnie Miller had his days. Yeah. I just watched a video the other day of him winning. Yeah. But... Uh, because you like Pelletier's really, character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Kirby, so, just so I'm clear, Kirby never drove anything other than a mod? Or did he drive? He, yeah, he always a mod. Well, yeah, he drove a, a late model. What's his name there? Um, the pavement guy. No, that Wickham. Yeah, we put we, that's, why, that's why I didn't bring that. So yeah. I didn't want to bring that up. So one, that was a one year cluster. out of the blue. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even remember this guy's first name because he was. He was out of keen. He was a yeah. pavement guy. Yeah. He was a liar and a thief. Yeah. But, oh boy. That's so not I, right. I didn't get into that part. And uh, well, I went to a telephone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we Dennis. set up to. Right. Yeah, Dennis Wickham. We set up to run a pro stock that he bought. We put together. We put it all together, got it all going, and then ran it, what, twice maybe? Yeah, once here and once in Manetna. Yeah. And then they come up. We were gone to Manetna. We were gone to Loudon or something or, or down to Thompson or something. So everybody was gone from the shop, and he showed up at our shop and took the car right out of the shop. Really? Yeah, that's where and, I got caught in the middle. Yeah. Because I didn't go when you guys went down there, and me and Carol was going by, and I look out in the down Kirby's Road, and I see a tire and a trailer. And I said, "What the hell's going?" I went out there; they'd already had the car loaded, yeah. and they was on their way out. Man, that was. A... He just goes they, in and steals the car. They never paid. You know, yeah. we had bought a bunch of stuff. We were, we were getting a lot of our parts from Brownies, where Hitch worked yeah. at the time. Yeah. So we had got a bunch of parts for the car, and he hadn't paid them, you know. So it was it was a shitty deal, and the yeah. car ended up being Boniface ended up driving the car. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Nothing against Boniface. Yeah. It wasn't his issue, but yeah. That's crazy. Quite a, quite a character. Yeah, I guess he was. And, uh, Holy and smokes! That was, that was the only time we ran, and we never even really had a chance to even get the thing. You know, we had it all together. We had issues with it, getting it running, and it was the first time we'd had a, had a Bardwell motor, a brand new Bardwell motor, and we never had a chance to run one of any of Buddy's stuff. And we struggled getting that, getting it running. We had an issue with the ignition and stuff, nothing that Buddy did. And uh, 
we never even got a chance to really get it going. That's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, it was mods all the way. Yep. Okay. Yep, it was always mods. So when, okay. Except for that one year on Europe. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So mid-90s, we're still still running mods, still doing two two times a weekend, both here in Monadnock, I'm assuming. Yep. Um, and then we started running the tour. Um, that was going to be my next question. So in 91, I think, was the first year we started going to tour shows. Um, like Chuck said, we started going to places where Curb had ran, Stafford, Thompson. Um, we went to the one at, at the park. Yeah. Um, we went to Loudoun. Yeah, we I don't know if that was. Did we go to Oxford? We yes. went to Oxford. Had things. Um, you run the two fifty? No, no, no. no. It was oh, okay. uh, they. They started having tour shows at, in Oxford, and we went to a couple of them. Okay. That's a, that's a tough place. But everybody says it's like a big donut. I've never been up there, yeah. so. It's a. Uh, it was it was a crazy place. I mean, we. Uh, you could just keep taking gear out of the car, and I almost could put a throttle stop in the car and make you go faster because the, the, the turns come up and go off camber on down the straightaways. It's it's different, but but it's it's a big open place. You know, you can get off the racetrack, and there's plenty of room to not get yourself in too much trouble. But yeah. trouble with most of those when you get away from your home, most of those tracks, all the big buck owners, they had about thirty. Tires right there for the cars. <laughs> they just kept putting those new ones right on. Yeah. Then that thing slid a little bit off, put some tires on it. Should go a little faster. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys ever get to run against Richie Evans? We never did. Curb never. did. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, leave me, Curb. Yeah, when Curb ran Martinsville, Curb had some great stories about Richie Evans. Really? Huge stories yeah. about Richie Evans. Yeah. Party all night. Yeah. Type stories with yeah. Richie. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. And he could probably party too. That's it's a big oh, dude. Yeah, he could probably was, put away some some alcohol, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Richie was a Richie was a racer. Thompson there. We was down at whatever. When I was down there with you guys, there Evans was partying pretty good that time. Yeah. And up in the big clubhouse, they had yeah. a big they had a banquet, or they had yeah they had a big banquet hall you know, there. He. Years before we went there, he I used to go down there and watch the race, and he showed up and had that big amb- that big uh, orange ambulance that he drove into the racetrack, and Evans was yeah awesome yeah. Jerry Bly tells a story. We had Jerry, we had Pep on early, and uh, he told the story about he went. I, I want to say it was Oxford. I could be wrong, but he went to go race, and Richie showed up. And it was the first time he had ever seen um, air gun, I believe. It was the the quick change air gun because I guess Pep had always done it by hand, oh, right? Yeah. Had always switched them by hand. And he said it was like a whole nother human, like a whole nother stratosphere of racer, <laughs> Richie was. And, you know, the everybody seemed to follow Richie just, I mean, that's what winning does, I guess. Yeah, but, some good shows. Yeah. Especially down Keen with him and Bedine. 
Max Racing, located at 972 West Swansea Road in Swansea, New Hampshire, is now open and ready to assist you. Keep them in mind when the time comes for all your parts and accessory needs for your upcoming race season. Need help setting up and maintaining your car? Their in-house staff will be there to help you out with those needs as well. Last but not least, they will have the NHSTRA modified rides available for rent on a weekly basis. Apex, Apex Racing, Racing will see you, you in, in victory, victory lane. Most of the guys are good. Yeah. What year did we build a new car? Um, that must have been early 90s? Yeah, like 94, 90, 94, I think. Because right after we, we were starting to go to the tour shows, that's when... Yeah, so maybe it was 90. might have been 92. We built the first new car off the jig. Ourselves. So you build it. Nice. And we changed it all around and made the body as tight, all steel. And because we really wanted to have it so we could run it at Loudon. Yeah. You know, as nice and clean a body as you could have. We were only going to run it at Loudon. Yep. And we did. You know, we ran it a couple of times. We bought a new motor to run at Loudon. Um, back then, the Loudon shows paid huge money. I mean, they were paying 20000 bucks. 20 grand? And now they're back down to paying like six. <laughs> you know? Jesus. So they paid big money to run those loud shows back then. Yeah. I think we got so a bit. Everybody this. was there. There'd be 80, 90 mods in the mid area. But that and how many you started? Yeah, the best place to be when there was those modifiers come down that front stretch, that car, woo, woo. Boy, <laughs> that deac- just the sound, it was, yeah. it was yeah. crazy. I love watching the the way the tour. I'll, I'll go up there and I'll watch them run at Loudon. Those are pretty crazy. But speaking of big money races, we got a big money race. It's too bad, you know. We still didn't have a car, but there's like a fifteen thousand dollars, which I thought was astronomical. But you're saying Loudon was paying twenty grand, and that was normal. And that was that. Was, the early mod shows there paid big money. And then right off, right off, for some reason that changed. But it, but they paid big money for those first few mod races. Well, there weren't no other NASCAR races. Yeah, right. we. Yeah. It was yeah, us, the us in the Bush North, and that was it. Right, they didn't have Cup there yet, and the, and you had, you had a, like Twins in the spring, and Twins in the fall with the Bush North and the, yep. and the mods. But back then we talked about what you have in a car: thirty thousand, forty thousand. Yeah, so you could go out and get twenty in one shot. Damn. Yeah, some of those guys walked out there <clears> for a burning car. Yeah. And now they're running forty, fifty thousand dollar cars here for four hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a big, big change. Yeah, the motor thing is always a big deal. Yeah. I mean, we we built, like Ronnie said, we built that brand new car in uh, in ninety two. We put. Brand new rear in it, a new transmission in it, all new brakes on it and everything. We built it all ourselves. I think I, I don't think we had three grand, four grand in the car. Really? You know, because we built it all ourselves. Right. That Some must... of that stuff, although we had to do twice because it wouldn't pass tech. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, believe that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the NASCAR official wanted to know who built their side wheels. <laughs> Oh now, boy. a lot of that stems back to what I talked earlier about the ringleader. Right. About Cliffy. Uh, were you a push the gray, the gray area type of guy? He made the gray area. <laughs> oh, boy. We got any. We were at the end of the gray area in a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a reason why. 
you have to read that rule book. That's winter reading. That's what you're Fred supposed Fountain to do. Fred another one that like to do that. So, speaking of pushing the envelope, I have to take this chance to ask this question. I don't know if you're going to feel comfortable uh, sharing this story, but Ben told me to ask about the skate wheel <laughs> story, and now I, I have no idea what he's talking about. So we did a couple of times we pushed the envelope a little bit. Okay. Some of our stuff, and uh, we did have a sliding weight box plan in one of our hot rods. So what is this? Wheels. What, what does that consist of? It's just a, I, I should have brought it with me, and I forgot to. I guess the statute of limitations is probably up. <laughs> we had a we had a weight box in the middle of the car. Okay. That weighed probably forty pounds. Yeah, I was thinking all of that. And we just had rollerblade wheels on it. Rollerblade wheels on it, and you had a snap lock in it. The curb had right next to a seat. So during the race, we left it over to the left. When you go to weigh would just pick the pin up and it would slide over and I had another snapping pin on the right it would snap in over there and it made it could make a one percent difference in the left side weight yeah car still weighed up yeah that's so it was a little it was a little advantage I don't know how much of an advantage it was but it was a little I mean sounds we sounds like a, I mean when we built the when we built the wedge car what we call it ground effects car that we built um, in the late 90s. Um, that car had, you know, all kinds of dirt car ideas in it, you know. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, most of the ideas come from Bob McCready. They had just started doing the dirt cars on asphalt series in New York, and uh, we wanted to build a ground effects body and run here, and there was no body rules. Yeah. Tell that. There uh -oh. was the next year, because we only ran it one year. Ronnie's digging into a packet with pictures in it. And, uh, great. It actually fit the rules yeah. on their rule board. This is it right here? Yeah. Damn, look at that. For the love of... Why won't you start? Lawn care got you down? Equipment never wants to start? Not enough time to visit the racetrack? Let the professionals at Belanger Lawn Care solve your problem. We offer full yard care services from weed trimming, mowing, mulching, fertilizing, and more. Belanger Lawn Care, servicing the greater Claremont and surrounding areas. Give us a call today at 603-542-6945. You can also visit us on the web at belangerlawncare.com. Wow. That car, that car had a, a dirt car transmission in it with no clutch. Um, jackers in it and all kind of yeah. fun stuff. When we, got it, when we got it rolling and figured out how to keep it from heating, because the way the nose worked on it, remember we overheated like the first four weeks. We couldn't get it going good. And then once we finally figured out what we were doing with the overheating, we, we won six shows with that thing. Six? Wow. There's a lot of little things back then. You could cheat a little bit, then they, you know, you can't do that to a race car. I was trying to think of the, they're just not coming to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, now they have it in the rule book. At, at the very end of the rule book, everybody says, like, there's a rule in there that says, anything that is not included in this rule book is against the rules. <laughs> I was like, that's well, a. Might have had something to do with that car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, because even the next year when they told us we were we were illegal, and I had the head of tech come over to the shop, and I said, which was Dick LaPlante. Yeah, I said, you put a tape on this, and you tell me on your rule book where this thing don't meet the rule. Yeah. And we went around the whole car with a tape. And when he was done, he says, I don't care what the tape says, you can't run. But by the tape, you were legal. By the tape, we were legal. People just don't like change, huh? No. no, no, no that's it. <laughs> the problem is Curb would drive that in about four car lengths deeper, and he'd be on the smoke about three car lengths sooner. Yeah. And that thing would roll. Really? Yeah. It looks wild. I'm gonna take some pictures so we can post these when we do when we post this uh, podcast. But this is crazy. I mean, there wasn't another car out there that looked like no. this. No Is way. Like that. Right. That's crazy. We even the car had a full ground effects tunnel on the entire car. Yeah. So it had full bottom on it, and it had spring-loaded wipers underneath. So yeah. It drag right on the racetrack. The wipers we found this. Ronnie's kid was running, uh, Ben was running motocross then, and we found this plastic that they make chain guards out of, yep. the chain uh, tensioners, and we got sheets of it because it, it, it doesn't wear as bad. Yeah. And we put springs on it and had them underneath the car so it would, it would move out of the way with the bumps, you know. But it was, the whole car was suck, would suck right down to the, you would see the car drag the frame in the middle of the straightaway. You would see the sparks come out from the car because it, it had so much downforce. So yeah. much downforce, it would draw the car down in the middle of the turn. So, thi- so this has got to be before. I mean, just by looking at it, it right now some of the like the late model guys are on a downforce body. It's like it kind of looks like a downforce body, but it looks completely different. Yeah, but this is way before any of this, right? Yeah. see from those things but this has side pods on it like a dirt car yeah you can in one of them raw pictures yeah but if, if you look on the sides of the doors it's like yep. a dirt mod it has side pods on the side that are, uh, uh, that are an upside down airplane wing so instead of creating lift they create downforce right and there's a really wide one on the right that's why the door's out so far yep and then there's a narrow one on the left and we would adjust those. It was there was little shims in there that we can move that thing ahead. Yeah. Depending on how the car was acting, because when we first started running the car, the car was way too tight because it had so much downforce we couldn't get the nose down. Yep. And that's when we made we made a little side pod. I don't know if the we don't have a picture of it with the side pods on it on the front. No. No. I had to make little wicker bills like an indie car would have. Yep. On either side of the of the nose. To get the nose to stay down because we had so much downforce in the back. So who's thinking of all of this? Like who? That was our ringleader. Cliff. <laughs> uh, so you're just sitting at home? <laughs> so you're just sitting. We si- copied Bob McCready's car to a somewhat as extent. As much as we could. We had a person that was familiar with IndyCar, so he got yeah. us the right angles. And so you guys dove from there, deep into it. Down. You guys were... St- super serious about this if we could have had another year or two to get that thing tuned up the way we wanted it to it would have been the baddest because it had to be serious because the competition yeah well that year to keep to stay up in the front yeah this year one of the things that they tried to they threw this out right 
And all these guys worked on this thing a ton, right? This body, this body had like 300 deuce buttons, you know, put the body panel, the bo- all the body panels came off. Right. And when we built this whole thing around that car, we had $500 in the materials to build the body. And they outlawed my car. And not picking on Dwight, but the same year, Dwight had bought a new Jericho transmission that cost $5,000. Jesus. And they outlawed my body and let Dwight have a, a Jericho transmission when we were all running Muncie's. Yeah. You know, just old two-speed Muncie's, you know. And I'm, I'm glad Dwight, you know, Dwight had the opportunity. We didn't have the opportunity. We didn't right. have $5,000 in that whole car. Really? No. How much, is, how much are we talking here for this, for this car? How much do you think you got into it? Because this wasn't even a new chassis. This was one of our older chassis. Yeah, the old one. That we just put a new clip on, and we put that body on it. Had a new, had a new rear. Because this was the first car, so this one had a straight rear end in it, no quick change. Mm-hmm. Had power steering driven off the rear, and it had a dirt car transmission and stuff in it. So. Because weren't that questionable at one time that power steering off the drive shaft? Sh- yeah. There was some. It, some of that stuff when you said that it yep. comes we back. Had, we had trouble with a couple of things before we got it all yep. tuned up, but we were trying to get all the power so that they weren't dra- dra- drawing power off the motor. Right. And to make it simple up in the front. Wild. We're just putting through the pit and didn't have no power steering. Yeah, but you had current. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You don't need power steering with a guy that big. But so, the difference is 30 years ago, you just didn't go buy the stuff, you built it. Yeah, you yeah. had to. <clears throat> and if you if you could dream it, we could make it, and we that's that's what that car was. Wow, how many man hours do you think you have into this? Lots, <laughs> lots. Yeah, yeah. I that those steel pictures. Yep, those are templates. Really? Yeah, because aluminum was still really expensive, even though we had this big dollar friggin' steel sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We, we templated we templated the whole car out of sheet metal yep. first, and then and then we built the whole body out of wood. He's not a bad welder either. No, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't think this. And again, I'm not a I'm not a driver or an owner, but I don't think there's too many people now building their own stuff from the ground up. Now I think it's all just. Call Fury, call Troyer, yeah. out of a out of a catalog, but yeah, and that's the game. It's you know it's it's time. Yeah, you know, and every winter we would get behind when we should have been just prepping the cars and 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 tuning up our design and and what we were going to do for setups and the stuff and that we were building. Yeah, a lot of you man know. hours. Say nothing about the man hours to keep them going from week to week with the races. Would you would you regular jars? Yeah, we made we made all of our own spindles. We made all of our own a frames. Yeah, we made all of our rear suspension pieces for that car. We made all the own bodies. Because that was the, that was the other thing they watched out for. Couldn't bend the a frames or something. What the hell was it? When you made the a frames, you had yeah. the angles and all the BS back. So you must have been a tech guy's nightmare. Yeah. So what? So what year is is this car here? What year are we talking? Late nineties. That must have been the ninety two, ninety three. Early nineties. Or no, the wedge later. car. Later. 
Yeah, it was later. Later. That's because that that's that's built on the original chassis we had. So I'm saying that's late nineties. Late nineties. And you said how many races do you think you raced with it? We only the whole ran, year at Claremont. The whole year at Claremont. We, we took it to Lee. Lee. Lee Manana wasn't running mods, I don't think, right? Or, or we weren't legal down there because they were running tour rules or right. something. Okay. So, this is not something that I'm excited about asking, but when is the shift from Kirby driving to not driving? What year is that? Like, when when does Kirby start to not be able to drive the car anymore? Never. Never. We were done. When when Kirby... Curb got cancer the first time. Okay. We just stopped racing. Which and must then, have been late 90s, right? Um, Early 2000s? 2000. 2000. 2000, yeah. Had yeah. been right around there. Yeah. So we just, he, we were like, I think it was toward the tail, it was like a July or August, I think, right? Because we were, we had been racing and he got a checkup and he said, I'm sick and Yep. Well, I just we said that. There's no question, right? We're just stopping. Just done. Nobody else is wheeling this thing. Right. And then he got, you know, he had his surgeries and, and treatments and everything, and and drove. And we were ready to go the next year. He was. He he was, was going to do it. Um. And then we raced until 2005, and then. We were kind of going to get done anyways. Yeah. Or we were getting close because mm-hmm. that was Jack's tour and we weren't running every race. And, yeah. And I, I moved on to working on the a bush car a little bit. And, and then Curb got sick again. Yeah. And then that was, that was it. That was it. But he never really stopped being our driver and never would have stopped being our driver. Yeah. You can't sit down, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fucking horrible thing. Yeah. But, I mean, you guys got 20-something years of of real good racing in. We did end up with a Troyer car at the end, though. Yeah. You did? We did, yeah. Because another another great friend of ours that we lost with cancer was Lyle Patterson. And Lyle Lyle joined us. Lyle was with us when we had the wedge car. So it must have been the early 2000s, right, or late 90s. Lyle started just coming around because he always kind of was here. You know, Lyle had been around this racetrack forever, right? But he just started hanging around with us a little bit at the racetrack and then helping us with the cars and helping us with money. And uh, a master mechanic. That guy was probably the, the most talented mechanic I've ever he done all. What's his name? Scars, right? Yeah, he took care of Bill Ruger's Ruger's. car collection. Really? Yeah, Yeah, this guy's no joke. He can can fix anything. He traveled on Stanley Steamers and and all the way up through to everything you can imagine. Ferraris. So, Lyle Lyle helped us with the cars, and then Lyle Lyle bought a Troya car um, from Miller, from... Ricky. Okay. And Ricky was working down in uh, 
Ruggiero shop or um, Mario Mario shop, and they had a they had a Troyer car. I don't remember the whole story. They were changing. They were going from Troyers to something else or what they were doing, but they had a Troyer car in the shop, anyways. Mm-hmm. Chassis they hadn't run it was brand new, and we bought it, brought it back to the house, put it all together to, to run on Jack's tour. Yep. And uh, that was the last car we had. <clears throat> and uh, it was the first time we'd ever had a car in the shop that was something we built. Yeah. And uh, it went pretty good, but we, I don't know, we never really sorted it out 100%, but we we had some pretty good runs with it. Yeah. So, one of the things that I know about you, Ronnie, just and I've known this for a long time since I've known Ben in high school, is you you work. It's what you do. You work long hours. You work a lot. The this, this story goes that Ben Ben tells it as, you know, when Kirby was going to do his last run on the log truck, you went with him. I did, yeah. And Ben says that he knew it was a big deal because you never miss work. Right. Now, I don't know if you're comfortable telling the story, obviously, but um, what did that mean to you to take that last trip with Well, Kirby? it was his last It was his last ride. We built him a new log truck. I think that was a 2005? Yeah, the log truck was 2005. Kenworth. And we built that knowing that he was sick. Yeah. And we built that knowing that it would be his last ride. Yeah. So when he got sick... Um, He'd stop at the garage all the time, and I said to him, you know, I want to go with you. So he finally, he, he, he'd come over, and he was sick, and he said, well, it's, it's probably going to be my last trip. And I said, well, I'm going. I'm definitely going. So riding around with him, and he's asking me to do, trucking myself, asked us to do all the stuff after he passed away, which is a tough nut to swallow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we both agreed that we would, and... I remember it like it was yesterday. We're riding around over in Grantham, just picked up a load of wood, and I'm looking at my feet riding down the road in the truck. Pretty sad that yeah, I bet. my best buddy is dying. Yeah. And he reaches over and hits me. He says, what's the matter, bud? You hungry? You want me to stop at the store and get you some lunch? No, I'm not <laughs> hungry. I'm sad. Yeah. But uh, just a great guy. Yeah. Just a great yeah. guy. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, thank you for sharing that one. And I then, didn't know. Unfortunately, after he passed away, all of us guys, the whole crew, got together at my shop. We spent the whole day cleaning the truck, getting it ready, and Curb was cremated, and Chuck and I, I didn't even have a CDL license, but I said, he asked me if I would drive his log truck to the church. Okay. Curb did before he died, and I said I would. No CDL, nothing, and at that point, it didn't matter. Yeah. So, Chuck and I got in the log truck and we drove from my shop up to the church and I turned the corner by the police station I I was shaking so bad I had to push the clutch in because it was just it was a bad it was just a bad day yeah however the only thing that Chuck and I thought about afterwards and it was too late we put him in the truck between the seats between Chuck and I we should have just put him in the toolbox (laughs) (laughs) because That's what he'd have done. Yeah. <laughs> he was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of good memories, a lot of, yeah. just a great guy. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there's a couple, there's just a few more stories that Mike had sent that I just want a little bit of clarification. So he tells a story of the time Kirby and him stole a beer cooler out of the back of a holler coming home from an ad knock. I I need to know this story. So I don't know who's I don't know so, who's gonna tell it, but Well first of all, Curb would have stole it because Hench couldn't have got his skirt up quick enough to grab it. <laughs> I hope that bitch is listening too. <laughs> so Kirby and Hench had an old black truck. <laughs> Right, yeah. That we got from Leamy. That was probably the coolest freaking thing <laughs> we ever had, yeah. right? Big old Dodge Ram truck. Yeah. And we used to get pretty tuned up at Manadnock. And then draw straws who was going to drive home. Yeah. It happened to be me that night. And we're, we're hauling out. We're, we're in line leaving. So we're in line waiting through the haulers to leave. And those assholes come out the back and stole the cooler. We had a side door out of a. We had a. Sleeper. Cabin, sleeper in the back and a little side door. They grabbed the cooler and took off. And I'm stuck in, in the line. I can't <laughs> go. So we chased them all the way home with a ramp truck. Really? And Hench had a, an El Camino, black El Camino. And uh, we caught him a couple of times, but I couldn't get, quite get to him. Yeah. But uh, we were still at Schumann's shop then, and we headed up the hill going into the race shop and uh he made the mistake he's trying to chop me off and everything else you know coming through town mm-hmm. when we got there he when he come up the aqua throat and turned down into schumann's it's steep so he got up on the brakes when he i was coming about 50 miles an hour and took him right in the back folded the back tailgate in on his el camino and down the driveway <laughs> jesus I, so I, that was one of the stories yeah we had a few good runs coming back from an ad knock where we, him and Roach, remember Roach we used to follow us back where we were throwing beer cans out the back at him. Some pretty crazy runs back from an ad knock. Yeah. One time we picked up Curb on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> on the side of the road? Yeah, we coming back from an ad knock with the ramp truck and here's Curb walking up the side of the road. Mm-hmm. His girl, <laughs> the girlfriend that he picked yeah. up that night threw him out. <laughs> <laughs> Get drinking after the races, he'd, he'd be hitting on some honey. He'd be down keen. No, Kirk, get in the goddamn truck. We ain't just for no night. Get in the goddamn truck. He had enough. He had other visions. She, <laughs> he called her the wrong name. <laughs> <laughs> we were like Walpole. <laughs> oh my god. So he he was the ladies' man. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Really. No, yeah. one of our wives were safe. safe. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. Really? Oh, that guy was something else. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, hilarious. The girls loved him because, you know, they wanted to go to lunch or go somewhere, yeah. and he was the first one to bail in the car and take yep. them. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, sir. You also told the story about he used to walk around with, a, like, a like a side bag, oh, or like oh, a fanny yeah. pack or something, right? Yeah, he was, he was a... Um, he was a uh, fashion yeah. statement right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We had a word for that, but I'm not. Yeah. 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 Say that. Yeah. Nowadays time. Yeah. <laughs> but he had his little bag, and yeah. it was always full of money. And yeah. yeah. 
You wore it as a conversation piece because you yeah. bugged the hell yeah, out of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had so many had so many problems with his back. That was yeah, his excuse, yeah, right? Yeah. He couldn't carry a wallet because yeah. his back was a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. We one year we're at Stafford. Yeah, we had to. Well, was that for the Sizzler? I think right. LB had to shoehorn him into the race car. We got down there. He was on crutches. We got down there. Damn. Or we were getting ready to go down, right? And he got hurt. And I said, Curb, we'll just cancel, you know? No, 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 I'll be all set. I'm going to the chiropractor, and I'll, I'll be ready to go. He lived at that place. And we got down there, and he could hardly get around. And I said, dude. You're not going to be able to get in the car. No, you guys get me in the car. Once I'm sitting in the seat, I'm fine. Yeah. And all weekend, because we, we went down, qualified, practice, qualified. He had to stay in the car. You know, he couldn't get in and out of the car with his bitch. Yeah. And we qualified like 13th or something in the sizzle. There was probably 60 cars there. And he couldn't even walk. Same way in his dog truck. You'd have to help him sometimes. Once I get up in that truck, I'm all set. He's just going to make them few steps on that ladder, and I'll be up on top of my loader. That's like the head right behind the cab. Front loader, yeah. yeah. You know, he just worked his ass off all the time. Yeah, just, just the way it was. Just had naturally bad back just from work? Yeah. I showed Ben some pictures of the log truck, the new log truck that we had built. Yeah. And I, I said to Ben, do you, do you realize what's wrong with this picture? And he's looking at me, he's, boy, Dad, I don't know. Curb would have tire chains on the front on the stair axle. Yeah. Because if he told somebody he'd be there to pick up their wood, didn't matter what the weather was, yeah. he was there. He was going to it. Yeah. I got a few calls when I worked down the shop. I'm up on the interstate and he says, My air compressor, something wrong with it. I'm not building up much air. Bring up that big chain. He says, We only gotta go a couple we only gotta go a couple of miles. I'm almost to exit eight. Hooked on that truck. He said, when we head down that hill, he says, look for traffic going up and down the road. He says, because I ain't got much air, air pressure. So I'm pulling that, that GMC. <laughs> we come down that hill missing that there was a car coming, and I didn't I didn't dare to say no. I just kept yeah. on going about pull the bumper out of the back of his truck. I'll never forget that. Jesus. Man. Sounded like a wild man. Wow. Oh, yeah. He was on a mission most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> when he built the last... That last pup trailer with the three trailer axles oh, on the And when he, remember, he gathered parts. This was his yeah. thing, right? He gathered parts for like a couple years. A couple years. Right? And he's talking about it and talking to all these guys about it. And I said, you know, when he talks about weight, he says, well, I can't, I can't haul any more with it because the, the rules didn't add for another axle under the trailer. But he says, I got way more speed with this one. Because he says, the other one, I can't get through the turns good with it because the trailer rolls up. So he said, this one's going to stay on the ground better. And I said, so we're not going to put any more wood on it. We're just going to go faster with it. Yeah, that's his whole. Yeah. Then he takes that and his pup trailer and hooks his little Ford Ranger on, on the back. On the back of that. <laughs> and go all the way to Henniker with oh, it. Gee. I don't know how he ever got away with doing that. I, to this day, I just don't understand that. Because when the DOT cop would stop him, he'd argue with the cop and make the cop look like he was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a damn long, that, and then that pickup on the back. Towing the pickup. They weren't sitting on the trail, was being towed. Speaking of pickups, 
you you told me a good story. He stole your truck one day. Well, I didn't know he stole it. Right. But I couldn't find my pickup. <laughs> and we got looking around the garage and his little Ford Rangers out back, with the right front shredded right off it. Yeah. He got a flout when he left Unity and just drove it in and then took my pickup and never hit his out back <laughs> and never told me he took my pickup. So I was up without a pickup for two, three days, didn't know where it was, but he finally fessed up to taking it. He was just like, yo, yeah, by the way, I yeah, have. by the way, I got your pickup. I have your truck. <laughs> and then he let me know that if I had a minute, I could fix the tire on it. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't come take Jess out to ice cream and be yeah, like, oh, well, by the he, way. He probably did when he come to get the truck. Yeah, yeah. Well, are there any other outstanding stories that anybody would like to share before we wrap this up about Curb? Or any words. It doesn't even have to be stories. We've covered most of the bases. We've covered, yeah. we, we, we can talk for two days if you want to listen to all the stuff. Well, listen, <laughs> I got I time for sure. I think the biggest we've thing covered. I would say is that most of the bases. I think all of us, I, I speak for all of us, we miss them. Yeah. 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 Yep. You sounded like a great guy. Yeah, he'd, he'd come to my shop on a rainy day yeah. about 9 o'clock. Yeah. You deadbeats want a coffee? Yeah. He's always had a tray of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Saturday morning, let's head to the restaurant. That's one thing he didn't yep. go too long without no, eating. No, he liked to eat. He liked to eat. Big guy. Yeah. That worked on that log truck every Saturday. Yep, Yeah. That log truck was scary looking, but that thing was, was safe most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, just before we wrap this up, can you talk to me about this open face helmet that we have? Because I've been obsessed with this thing ever since you showed it to me. Well, it was just, back then, nobody wore full face helmets. Okay. And, he and especially did. him. He wore that with a Goggle. little pair of bubble goggles, yep. and yep. that was him. All the way. Some piss boy when he couldn't get new goggles. Yeah, we were buying them oh, by the case. Yeah. And then, then when he was having problems in the summertime, we would take a, a hole punch. Punch the tops of the bubble goggles open. So they went steam up so on them. Get a little air for him. Oh. Yeah. That's a good point. So he ran open face his whole career. Oh, yeah. 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 He that's he that's his last helmet. Yeah. He couldn't run a shield. Really? I love that it just says Mountain Man on the side of it, too. That's so great. Well, that's, uh, that's Rob Bly. Really? Yep. Yeah. Rob did all Rob, my brother-in-law. Rob did all the lettering on the cars right from the very beginning, right from when we first started racing, right all the way up through. God, that's crazy. Well, but when he put that on, he meant business. There's a little spike yep. in the top of it. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's all. Well, that's what everybody says. Again, I, I've been working on this for a while now. And everybody that I talked to said that, you know, throw the helmet on. He was there to do one thing, one thing only, and that was to win races. Take the helmet off. He'll, he'd give you every single penny he'd have in his oh, pocket. Yeah, he's a he very did. generous guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. All of us. I had a softball team. He sponsored us for quite a few years, modified softball. He tried playing one year. <laughs> he, he just wasn't a softball player. But yeah. he gave giving an awful try. Yeah. Well, fellas, thank you very much for coming. It's a pleasure. I appreciate you doing this. Um, I'm sure this will get good reviews. This has been a very 
demanded, highly demanded uh, thing. So I'm glad we could do it. We could do it right. We can get the people here that knew him. And I think we, I think we got a pretty good picture of who Kirby was. And um, thank you for sharing those stories. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd like to take a moment and thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Turn 4 Podcast. Have a question, comment, or query? We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us today at our Facebook page, Turn 4 Podcast. And until next week, we'll see you at the racetrack.